where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're talking about Peter Jackson's 1994 crime drama Heavenly Creatures, starring Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky, who both have introducing credits in this film, which is really cool. Uh, Jackson wrote the script with his partner, Fran Walsh. Heavenly Creatures tells the true crime story of Pauline Parker and Juliet Hume, two teenage girls who bond over music and a history of deathly ailments. Their relationship becomes so intense that their parents plot to keep them apart, prompting the girls to take drastic measures, i.e. moida, <laughs> in order to stay together. They were two young girls living in a world of imagination. I'm going to the fourth world. It's an absolute paradise of music, art, and pure enjoyment. What they had was friendship. What a disgrace you are. Your mother is rather a miserable woman. What they needed was freedom. Do you like your mother? No. What they shared was a secret. Your daughter's been behaving in a rather disturbed manner. What's she done? I think I'm going crazy. I'm sure it's perfectly innocent. The crime that shocked the nation. People die every day. Only the best people fight against all obstacles in pursuit of happiness. Paul thought it up. Aren't you clever? We're not going to be separated. I hate you! She's uncontrollable. Based on a true story. It's all frightfully romantic. Heavenly Creatures. The case of Pauline Parker and Juliet Hume is very famous in New Zealand, and Walsh grew up fascinated with it. And all of Pauline's voiceovers are taken directly from her diary, mm. as are the stories they made up. That's all from their, taken from their stories. Yeah. But beyond that, they definitely seem to take some... Uh, liberties, <laughs> mm-hmm. some artistic liberties in terms of speculating about what their friendship was like in private. But oh, okay. I read that Julian Hume later in life was like, there was nothing gay going on at all. But obviously within the context of the movie, that's what's happening. So we're going to talk about the film in the sense of the narrative that's presented to us as separate from the real story. I mean, it's oh, she said that there was nothing bit. going on between yeah. them. Right. Oh, I thought you meant that she just wasn't gay later in her life or something. Oh, so she's... Right. Okay. She said, yeah, we were just really were good just... friends. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, she's a certain generation, so it's possible she just got brainwashed. Right. Or is just hiding it. Yeah. But... It is true. Like, obviously... teenagers can be very intense in their friendships. So it seems... Mm-hmm. It's believable to me either way. Yeah. More the other Same way. Seem kind like... of removed from, like, social stuff so it it feels like 
it does kind of ignore, like, I feel like their relationship doesn't seem too tied to, like, is this, like, romantic or platonic. I think it's just kind of whatever it was. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. like, it seems to kind of ignore, yeah, like, yeah. Social norms. Okay. The only actual history is the diaries and the stories. Oh, okay. And I guess there are interviews, too, but not Right. Like, I mean, if there was a trial, there would have been, like, testimony. Yeah. Well, the heavenly creature's defense is an actual defense that was used in the trial, really? which is interesting. What? It's called the heavenly creatures? Or? It's known as the heavenly creature's defense because they're, the girls argued that they were exempt from the laws of Earth because they were heavenly creatures. <laughs> the outstanding genius of this pair is understood by few. They are so rare. The world is most honored that they should deign to rule, and I worship the power of these lovely two. It is indeed a miracle, one must feel, that two such heavenly creatures are real. Both sets of eyes, though different far, hold many mysteries strange. Impassively, they watch the race of man decay and change. Hatred burning bright in the brown eyes with enemies for fuel. Icy scorn glitters in the gray eyes contemptuous and cruel. Why are men such fools? They will not realize the wisdom that is hidden behind those strange eyes. And these wonderful people are you and I. (laughs) And that did not work, huh? It didn't didn't work. I read that the legal thing was like folia do or something like that. Like the folly of two. And the only other time it had been used as a defense was like when Clarence Darrow was defending Leopold and Loeb. We believe they were geniuses and exempt from the law. The falia is something that happens kind of often where it's just sort of like two people are so enmeshed with each other that they're just removed from reality. That, oh, you know? and that's a real legal term? I haven't heard it as a legal term, but more as a psychological term. I mean, I guess it does yeah. hold up in court like an insanity plea is, yeah. right, yeah. holds up in court. They probably were going with that a little bit. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's probably a good thing they weren't granted the insanity because mentally ill people were sent to horrible places and they they would have their frontal lobes removed. This way they actually ended up having lives after it. I mean, like they left the country. They both went to England, I think. Never married. And I thought that was interesting. They both really leaned into... Christianity, which I thought was really oh. funny. Like, I, that's one of my favorite, my meaningful passages. <laughs> the Bible is a load of bunkum. Oh, I wish James Mason would do a religious picture. He'd be perfect as Jesus. <sighs> Daddy says the Bible is a load of bunkum. Pauline became a very devout Roman Catholic and just like reclusive. Juliet, she became Mormon. Weird. Yeah. Isn't that because, yeah. It's such an American of, thing, right? Well, you definitely don't yeah. hear of a lot of people converting to Mormonism when they don't have a family history. Right. And you definitely don't hear of non-Americans converting yeah. to Mormonism. In some ways, it kind of makes sense for them, just because, like, I feel like throughout <laughs> the movie, they wanted to, like, cling to something fantastical, like, mm. beyond the world. It kind of makes sense that they would end up becoming religious. Yeah, like, yeah, that makes right. They wanted to believe yeah. in something yeah. that wasn't real. Yeah, and Mormonism is kind of one of the wackier <laughs> origin stories. Many people believe Joseph, dum 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 dum, and that night he saw an angel, dum 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 dum. 
my gosh! I am Moroni. I am a Native American. A Native American? But your skin is white. Yes, long ago all Native Americans were white. We all came to America from Jerusalem, and while we were here we were visited by Christ. Jesus lived here in America? Yes, eventually my people were all killed by the other tribe of Israel, and as punishment, God turned their skin red. These are the Native Americans you know today. There is an ancient book buried near here, written on gold plates that account my people's lives. Also buried with the book are two seer stones, the Urim and Thummim, which will allow you to translate the writings. Find it and fulfill your destiny. Maybe just like to be a part of something. I feel like coming from a relationship where you're that obsessed with each other kind of would yeah. make sense that you would then want to be like a part of a very tight group like that. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that Logan is here. <laughs> <laughs> you might recognize their voice from earlier episodes. We're doing an episode-long Keggers with Kids. You blow it tonight, girl, and it's Keggers with Kids all next year. Yes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Logan, pulled out the insight right away. And also, like you were saying, they felt really alienated. Mm -hmm. in society and a way to feel part of something is to join a religion or right it's like insanity that's approved by yeah, the masses it is <laughs> also roman catholic i get the sense she feels like she's gotta pay i was thinking about that well oh, yeah like guilt as much like guilt, guilt is thing. in catholicism is built into it there's also always the sense of forgiveness that if you do the right things you will be forgiven and still go to yeah. heaven so that makes sense too if she was consumed by a guilt she'd yeah. be like they tell me that i can be forgiven yeah. if only i devote my life to jesus so, yeah. yeah i mean i guess i feel like if you kill your mom when you're a teenager like that's gonna that's yeah. messing you up for your it's life gonna, you know I, mean? I mean yeah like, almost like converting to catholicism is the best case scenario there really maybe i mean <laughs> i feel like i could think of a little better but you know but it is something i feel like you're never gonna be right or normal <laughs> you know yeah but then also julia became a kind of famous mystery writer and perry yeah which is funny that she used the name perry because that's the, the in the stepdads. yeah the stepdad mm -hmm. <laughs> that is funny yeah <laughs> I used to tell them that when I worked in bookstores whenever someone would buy an Anne Perry book I'd tell them <laughs> she killed somebody oh wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah. that's really funny so are we thinking that it is just an intense friendship and that the homosexuality thing was just blown out of proportion by the by the dad I have no idea I don't I mean. Within the context of the movie. Oh, within the, the context yeah. of the movie. Oh. Uh, no, I feel like how the movie is on itself, I would think that, yes, they had a real relationship. Like okay. a sexual relationship. Okay. Do you like girls? No. Why not? They're silly. But Juliet's not silly. No. <laughs> Yvonne, there's nothing wrong with having a close friend. But sometimes things can get... Too friendly. Yeah, again, I think it seems very removed from, like, social norms. I mean, they probably had, like, sex. They probably, like, kissed. I don't know if they had a romantic relationship. They might not even like girls in general. It was just, like, this very different relationship from everything else in the world. That makes sense. That they were kind of the only ones who understood each other. We've decided how sad it is for other people. But they cannot appreciate our genius. But we hope the book will help them to do so a little. Though no one could fully appreciate us. And everybody else was 
looking at him funny. <laughs> right. Or maybe, like, the line between reality and fantasy was so blurred. Like, did they have a relationship or did Charles and Devorah have a relationship? Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. My dear Charles, I miss you and adore you in equal amounts and long for the day that we will be reunited. But as I languish here in this house of disease and decrepitude, my mind turns with increasing frequency to the problem of our son. I love when she's giving birth. Just what a stroke of luck by I, uh, Peter yeah. Jackson. Oh, what amazing! <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it's always. I feel like it's always really bold to have an introducing credit. I would love to see like the stats on it. How many introducing people you never heard from again? You know, but it's like boom, two of them, and yeah. it's Kate yeah. Winslet and Melanie Linsky. What? I know, I know. The scenes where they have the fantasy of being on the cruise ship, seeing her run on a boat, and it not being Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> They found um, Melanie Linsky just by scouring high schools in New Zealand because they were literally looking for an actress who resembled Pauline Parker. Oh, wow. And then Kate Winslet, I think they looked at a lot of people for that role. She doesn't resemble her a lot, but mm. enough. With the haircut and everything. She was already acting a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think Melanie Linsky wasn't really doing that much, but they just found her. They were my like, gosh, what? <laughs> I'm fine. Oh my God, what a treasure. I love her. <sighs> yeah. She's so cute. I saw this movie like pretty much when it came out, maybe two years after it came out. Mm. So I was still basically a teenager at the time, and I remember feeling like a kidship to them in a way, like with them sitting out in gym class. <laughs> like I would have given anything to have someone sitting with me when I had to sit out from gym class and not just be there by myself. Mm-hmm. So that mm. scene really resonated with me when I was younger. I've got scars. They're on my lungs. I spent months in bed during the war, ravaged by respiratory illness. Mummy and Daddy sent me to the Bahamas to recuperate. I didn't see them for five years. But we're together now, and Mummy's promised they'll never leave me again. I spent ages in hospital too. With my leg. I had to have all these operations. Osteomyelitis turns your bones to chalk. Took them two years to drain all the muck out. Cheer up. All the best people have bad chests and bone diseases. It's all frightfully romantic. And I mean, obviously now both of these women are still my age. (laughs) But when I watch this movie, it really strikes me how much they are girls. You know, Mm they're still very much children in this movie. Oh, yeah. I read that in her diary, the day of the happy event was like actually what she wrote. (laughs) Wow. Instead of murder, it was Moida. Yeah. I have worked out a little more of our plan. 
peculiarly enough. I have no qualms of conscience. I rose late and helped Mother vigorously this morning. Deborah rang and we decided to use a rock in a stocking rather than a sandbag. We discussed the moida fully. I feel very keyed up as though I were planning a surprise party. Mother has fallen in with everything beautifully and the happy event is to take place tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, it's like this crime that's well documented yeah. and planned and when you're a child, it's like you have this problem and you just need to, and then you can be happy after you do this. People die all like, the time. People die every day. Dozens of people. Dozens. I know I wrote about yeah. <laughs> yeah, and their parents were bad parents yeah. for the most part. Shut up. Hot props is on. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah, one of my hot props is how much I just absolutely hate Julia Parents. I don't hate Honora. Is that her name? Honora or Honora? Is that Pauline's mom? Yeah. Her dad, I don't don't like either, but (laughs) the only good parent is the one they killed. Right. She has her bad moment of slut shaming, whatever, but she's obviously projecting. You had your father in tears last night. My God, what a disgrace you are. Shame me. Shame the family. You're nothing but a cheap little child. Well, I guess I take after you then. You ran off with Dad when you're only seventeen. Nana Parker told me. You're going to be late. Someone probably yelled at her when she was 17 and ran off with a man. Right. Well, also the whole way that the parents approach that. If I saw an adult man in bed with my 14-year-old, I would not be mad at the child. I would yeah. not see it as like, oh, you little tart. You know, right. How could you, you do this? You know? him in here. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's... i dad like, you've broken my heart. Ugh. Right. Broken my heart, Yvonne. I mean, that was insane. I mean, one of my sort of hot probs is the plan is not really very well thought out like how is killing pauline's mom going to result in them being able to be together i'm coming with you yes i know what to do about mother we don't want to go to too much trouble some sort of accident people die every day it's because they were so delusional just in terms of who the bad guy was. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't yeah. see it at all. That They thought that the best person was Juliet's dad, who was actually the worst person. <laughs> right. They were like, Daddy's great. He loves us. He wants us to be together and be a family. Poor father. Dr. Hume was absolutely kind and understanding. He said we must tell him everything about our going to America. He was both hope-giving and depressing. We talked for a long time, and Deborah and I were near tears by the time it was over. What is to be the future now? We may all be going to Italy and dozens of other places, or not at all. Dr. Hume is the noblest and most wonderful person I have ever known of. He's actually the one that's BTS orchestrating this plot to keep them apart and being the most homophobic. Your daughter appears to have fallen. A rather unwholesome attachment to Julia. What's she done? She's done anything. It's the um, it's the intensity of the friendship that concerns me. I think we should avert trouble 
before it starts. And it's probably him projecting a little bit of his wife's infidelities. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah. Nobody's seeing things clearly in this movie. Everyone's kind of delusional, honestly. Yeah. That's your your value is your purity. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't think we've said yet that it's 1954. Yeah. And it was a characteristic attitude. Right. That was the experience in the 50s. That's Many practically decades. like the only value that a, a girl has. Right. Know? It always makes me think of Tom Petty, the free falling song. Like, she's a good girl. Loves her mom, loves Jesus in America too. That's my mom's generation, and that is how she grew up. Like that's what her parents were like. Yeah, it's like wild. <laughs> that's what yeah. being a good girl is. Yeah, right. <laughs> One thing that I found really interesting and thought was super crazy and just cool was. With the, like, how their names, like, they start going by different names, like, in the middle of the movie, like, going by the names of the characters that they had, Mm -hmm. and I thought that was cool, because, like, at least for me, it kind of created the feeling of, like, losing grip on reality and going a little insane. This arrived today, Yvonne. My name is Gina. Don't be so ridiculous. You're our daughter. You belong here with us. I belong with Deborah. We're going to South Africa. You're not going anywhere. You're 15 years old, Yvonne. You have to let me go. That really created that feeling. Yeah, they were just in character all the time. (laughs) The claymation, I don't know. I I don't really have many hot probs Mm -hmm. with the movie, but sometimes the clay thing was a little weird for me. What did you not like about it? I don't know. I just felt like... Did you think it just looked bad from a filmmaking perspective? I don't know. I didn't like the claymation thing. Oh, wow. Know. That was just... I thought that it was, like, so effective and so powerful. I really, mm-hmm. really liked that. Especially the scene when the border... I don't even want to say, like, having sex with her. I mean, she's, like, basically being raped by this guy. Yeah. I thought that was so effective and powerful, the way she was just removing herself from that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And I had no option. I discovered that I had not lost my virginity on Thursday night. However, there is no doubt whatsoever that I have now. For you, my lady. You're crying. Don't be sad, Gina. Yvonne. 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 I didn't hit you today. How it was like they had Diello was sort of like their hero who would sort of like take care of anything that needed taken mm-hmm. care of, you know. I thought that was so moving. Yeah. I, I thought that was so well done. How they used this fantasy world to show them dealing with their lives, kind of. Yeah. Whatever their unhappiness was at the time, like they created this world where they were safe and taken care of and in charge and powerful. Unfortunately, the miracles of modern medicine could only go so far in combating an illness like TB. That's why I'm here, because with a mom, 
I thought it was so well done. I can see how something like that could take you out of a movie. If it's not well done, it could look goofy or cringy or whatever. But in my opinion, I thought they, they did such a good job yeah. with that. It was just a personal thing. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, like, we can... I, I, I just... It took me out of it a little yeah. bit. Like, I thought it was really good. Like... Mm-hmm. You know what I, mean? I can see what you're saying totally. Like it, it didn't take me out of it, but I could see how if it doesn't grab you, then it loses you. I can totally see what you're saying. If that's what you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, no, that's totally what I'm saying. That's totally what I'm saying. I mean, I had a really hot problem when Juliet's dad was like, "She's acting uncharacteristic." Since Mrs. Hume and I have returned home, Juliet's been behaving in a rather disturbed manner. Silliness, short temper, general irritability, most uncharacteristic. (laughs) Like, how the fuck would he know what that is when he's never there? Those parents are just so bad. Both of them. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered if deep therapy is just her mom fucking all her patients. Mummy's got a special technique called deep therapy. What's that? I'm not sure, but it's proving to be very popular. Deep therapy. Right. <laughs> Deep therapy. <laughs> I like, yeah, that conversation when it's like Juliet's parents, they're like talking to them. I love how they're like, I think your daughter <laughs> yeah. has, a, has an unhealthy attachment to our daughter. Or they just like completely just was like, this isn't us, this is 100%. Yeah. Refused to admit that, you know, it was mutual like attachment. Yeah, I think that's something that could still very much happen. <laughs> that seems like an evergreen right. scenario of, yeah. like, your child is a bad influence on my child. Totally. Nobody taking ownership of <laughs> what's happening. I did have a little bit of a hot problem when Honora picks up the purse that has a brick in it and then just, like, doesn't question it at all. Right. You would think it would be very heavy. and she. I would know, uh, yeah, I always expect her to comment on that, like, oh... <laughs> It's heavy. You know? What do you have in here? Like, I had a really heavy backpack as a kid, and people would always pick it up and go, Oh my god, what do you have in here? Right. <laughs> she even puts it on the table, and it makes this really loud banging sound. <laughs> no further questions. Right. This seems fun. Although, honestly, like, with those two, you could see why you wouldn't question stuff, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't they get into it. Exactly. It's like asking Dash about Among Us or something. And so in a blazing fury, Charles runs Lancelot to Ronnie through with his sword, leaving Deborah free to accept Charles's proposal of marriage. <sighs> Settle in then. <laughs> it's probably not at all curious. Oh, her bag is especially heavy. Like, I'm sure. <laughs> you don't want to hear why. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good point. I mean, my little hot prop, too, is with Pauline's parents. Like, what are they supposed to do? It's a sad situation for the girls that Juliet is going to have to move to South Africa or wherever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, are Pauline's parents really supposed to be like, okay, you can go with her? I don't think she's even really invited to move with her, you know? Like, I don't think that... I mean, I feel like her parents, their hands really are tied. There's nothing they can... I don't feel like they're really doing anything to keep the girls apart. It's like, if you had a best friend who moved away... It's not really anything I can do yeah. about that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like I can't make them stay, and I'm Final, so not gonna right. Like I'm yeah. gonna, like, they're just misreading the situation. So yeah. right. the girls are. It is yeah. like a little bit like on Juliet's Juliet's mom for not like just 
letting Juliet stay with her. Right, yeah. like they... Like Pauline's parents did nothing wrong. Yeah, Juliet's parents, I mean, that's a crazy thing to do. It's like, okay, Dad's going to move to England, I'm going to stay in New Zealand, and you're going to move to South Africa, bye. Like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, I mean, they're just the worst parents. Right, like, right. They obviously don't want to be doing this at all. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. And they're, like, trying to figure out a way to get rid of their kid. When they're just completely over parenting. Not that I can't imagine what kind of parents they were when she was younger. Well, like they left her in the hospital on her own for, for a... five years. Right. I... Five years. <laughs> Can you imagine? I absolutely cannot imagine. These no. <laughs> people did not want to be parents. Right. Next call. My grandfather, uh, he grew up in England and he was left in a hospital. I don't know if it's an English. I don't like there were like that happened to him wow, too. Really? Wow. Oh my god. It is interesting the contrast like when they show like Pauline like in the bed with her bone stuff and then the parents are like there like with like toys and stuff. Yeah. And then Juliet just like alone. Yeah, it's this horrible crime. They're children and then also like all of these things that are happening in their reality of like how repressive life is and no one else understands you and and you find somebody you can really connect with and be yourself with i really liked that peter jackson really honored all of those feelings that teenagers have or people have when i watched movies as a kid teenage girls in the 80s in movies are like i love shopping you know? <laughs> and i love my boyfriend or shopping yeah whatever right. <laughs> boyfriend or shopping or shopping or my boyfriend or makeup too right oh and, yeah makeup's good and like there's nothing else like, yeah and i really like that those scripts were all written by, like, 30-year-old men. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. And I think, I mean, honestly, I want to give Fran Walsh a lot of credit. Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh have co-screenwriting credit. But just knowing what Peter Jackson does when he's alone... <laughs> um, I mean, I love his early work, like, Meet the Feebles and Bad Taste, or, like, really great funny horror movies. He's really good at funny. And then... Fran Walsh also co-wrote the Lord of the Rings movies, which I'm <laughs> huge Lord of the Rings fan here. I honestly want to give her credit for all the emotional beats. I, I assume that it's her. I mean, mm. we don't know who wrote what exactly, but especially since she was obsessed with the crime when she was growing up. Mm -hmm. I bet that yeah. a lot of that teenage girl feeling stuff is her. When I saw it as a t my my friends and I loved that movie. Like we saw it multiple <laughs> times in the theater. I thought it just captured like all of those feelings. Just so the story was, the acting it was so great. Yeah. Oh, another interesting thing I read about the case was the arresting officer died of suicide. His daughter said it really affected him a lot. He oh. had a daughter the same age, oh. and he just couldn't get past how normal these girls seemed. You know? Wow. And it, it is a tragedy. It's a three-act story with a tragedy. Have you seen We Need to Talk About Kevin? Or something like <laughs> oh that? my god, yes. I mean, I could not watch that. I don't know anything about that movie, but some things are just hard to make you haven't, sense You didn't of. see that? No. Okay. Oh, hell no. I, I can never that. recommend it to anyone, <laughs> but it is the most horrific movie I've ever seen. It's not like a horror movie straight out, but it's so fucking haunting. 
And it's interesting that you brought it up because women don't murder. Females in general aren't murderers usually. It's usually Mm -hmm. boys and men. Just like the idea of if within the context of the narrative, we're just speculating here. (laughs) It's interesting what drove them there. If you really want to point blame, you can point the finger at Mr. Hume (laughs) as the biggest driving factor for this. Mm-hmm. versus, and we need to talk about Kevin, everyone blames the mom, but she's really blameless. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like oh, that's wow. the narrative there. It's an interesting contrast of like what drives a girl to murder versus what drives a boy to murder, and how usually people are quick to blame the parents, and the mom especially, yeah, right. when a boy murders, but when a girl murders, it's like, no, it must have just been them, and they're crazy and lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I love how they open it up, the movie talking about Christchurch, and everybody's riding their bicycles, yes, and it's right. like this very idyllic, picture-perfect place. In spring, summer, and autumn, Christchurch gardens are gay and colorful. Yes, Christchurch, New Zealand city. It was like this case that rocked the whole country. It was very tabloid the way mm-hmm. that you know, it was like the, the lesbian schoolgirl killers and <laughs> Juliet Hume. She got sent to one of the toughest prisons in the southern <laughs> hemisphere or something. Is really? really? This what she wow. said. And she was the only child inmate <laughs> Jesus. there. Jesus. And she felt like, I'm going to jail, I deserve this, I'm going to pay for my, you know, like she said that. But she also went there knowing that the whole country viewed her as a monster. She also said that she was very afraid that Pauline was going to kill herself because she threatened to kill herself if they couldn't be together. She took a lot of like injection medication for TB and it wasn't known at the time, but the drugs were mood-altering drugs. Oh, jeez. Um, I mean, that's another... I mean, another there are all these there, little yeah. factors that add up yeah. to, like, a tragedy. I thought it was interesting where she's looking at this pile of bricks. She picks up a full brick, and she puts it back, and she chooses a smaller brick. Like, why did she choose a smaller brick? Go <laughs> ahead. Is it because it just fit in her purse, or is it because she was maybe ambivalent about it? And Pauline starts hitting the mom's head, and then there's a part where the mom is looking up and holding her hand out, and you can see in Juliet's face, it looked like she wanted to help a little bit for like a split second. A little remorse. And (laughs) there's so much, so many layers in this movie. How could they ever enforce never being able to contact each other again yeah if they ever did really i I, I never found anything online about that the other thing that i thought was interesting too is like children in new zealand in the 50s can't speak in your court case you aren't allowed to speak wow what (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so they could never talk about what they did or why they did it that seems unfair (laughs) and also just bad lawyering I mean, that's that was the law yeah, at the time. Interesting. And it isn't anymore. I don't think so. That's yeah, crazy. <laughs> when you were introducing it and you were talking about it's like a crime drama and it's like true crime, because it's funny, I never viewed it in that way at all. <laughs> it so separates you from like, it is like about like a murder that happened. But yeah, that's like just so weird how I never really thought of it as that. Yeah, well, they wanted to make, Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh wanted to make this movie because there had been lots of 
TV coverage and documentaries and whatnot about the crime in New Zealand. Mm. But they were all just about the crime itself, the murder. Mm. And none of them ever took into account who these girls were or any of their background or anything. So basically they were like, we want to really get to know these characters and explore who they are and what might have led them to this instead of just focusing on the bloodiness of the crime. And it's especially interesting for a Peter Jackson movie because before that he was very known for having extremely gory movies like one of his movies, Dead Alive, has an American cut. (laughs) <laughs> that is less bloody and violent wow. because it's so gory. And he was very good. He's great with practical gore effects. It's not very bloody in this movie. Yeah. It's just you don't really see the head trauma. You yeah. see the brick coming down and then you see her face covered in blood and the girls are covered in blood, but you never see any actual mm-hmm. impact. Right. So he really was trying to like focus on the characters and not the gore. Yeah. It's interesting, again, like how the girls... Or at least Pauline like really minimalizes like what it is to kill someone. She's just like, no, people die all the time. <laughs> it doesn't It'd be convenient them. if mother died, so I'm just gonna kill her. Our main idea for the day was to murder mother. This notion is not a new one, but this time it is a definite plan which we intend to carry out. We have worked it out carefully and are both thrilled by the idea. Naturally, we feel a trifle nervous, but the pleasure of anticipation is great. It is also interesting that they chose this way. I mean, there's nothing to say about women who do kill. Usually it's like poisoning or something mm-hmm. more hands-off. Not something yeah. so... Yeah, yeah you really have to <laughs> want to kill. It's a brutal murder scene. Yeah. You can't detach yourself with mm-hmm. a brick. No brick in a stocking, no. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you can't just like hit them once. That's they hit them. You they have hit to her be very. Times. Oh my god! Yeah, that's a lot Jesus. Of times. That's a lot yeah, of times. That's... And then they were like, "It was an accident." A brick fell on her forty-two times. <laughs> he ran into my knife ten times. And the first time you watched that movie, or the first time I watched it, and I didn't quite know what happened, I'm like, oh my god, what happened to them? Because it opens with them, like, running up and yeah. covering blood. It's like, what happened? Yeah. yeah. But it's like, oh, they killed someone. <laughs> this is their fault. Right. Oh my goodness. The line of, like, I feel keyed up as if I'm planning a party. Or, yeah. Like, wow. yeah. And then, like, every every scene le- leading up to it where the mom is putting something in the oven or, oh, like, yeah. then she bends over and <laughs> picks something yeah. up. They're looking at each other, like... Yeah. They did. They were thinking, like, maybe we could just... I mean, you could tell. They're like, we could just push her in the oven, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, uh, yeah. Now they go through with their original half-cock plan. Beating <laughs> <laughs> right. her to death. Oh, I also really love... I feel like it really goes a long way to painting their teenageness, how obsessed with pop culture they are. <laughs> James will be there. And Mario. Only they'll be saints. Saint Mario. That's really great. I love the shrine. I mean, I feel like that's all stuff I could relate to at that age. Like, if we, oh, you know, yeah. me and my friends, we'd have magazines, and we'd cut pictures out, and totally. we'd make collages, <laughs> and we'd listen to records, and we'd talk about how cute the people were, and, you know, all that. And I really love that it's, like, the 1954 version of that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and their weird fascination with Orson Welles. I know! That's absolutely not Orson Welles! Oh! 
what Miles do to them. It's a- I love how she hates him yeah. so much. She hates him, but also... The man alive. Yes. <laughs> yes. She hates him, but is also kind of into him. Right. I really love that. The whole third man fantasy interlude is just so well so done. Funny. It was the first time I had ever seen it. Deborah had always told me how hideous he was. Is that you? You're through, Harry. Come out. You haven't got a chance this way. What do you want? You might as well give up. It is appalling. He is dreadful. I have never in my life seen anything in the same category of hideousness, but I adore him. You know how he's black and white and everything else is in color. And I tried to figure out who played Orson Welles, but there's no credit for Orson Welles. So oh. I wonder if it's like... <laughs> If it was like some early face transplant technology or something. Oh, maybe. Because it looks just like him. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's cool. And there's foreshadowing to that because they're, when they throw the picture of Orson Welles in the water and then it goes down the little waterfall, that's like a shot from the third man. Hmm. That's a cool movie. That we will never do for this podcast. Because right. <laughs> there's too many men. Yeah. <laughs> started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. I just want to say, killer casting overall in this movie, but I really thought Juliet's mom was well cast. Like, yes. she like Kate Winslet is so dazzling, and then the mom was just so glamorous and lovely. Yeah. You definitely Very, buy their relationship. Yeah, I believed her as Juliet's mom. It's such a, like, a fake, hands-off mom. Like, oh, I love my daughters. <laughs> right. I'll be over here. Oh, look at you two. <laughs> Couple of Barovnian princesses, if ever I saw them. <laughs> my daughter and my foster daughter. When she's like, "Oh, you're okay if we still go on our trip or whatever," she's in the hospital and they were planning a trip, and it's like, "It's okay, right?" It's not too late to cancel our travel arrangements. That's what you want. I'm sure you like it here. It's very tranquil. I've spoken to the matron. She promises to take extra special care of you. <coughs> and you can carry on with your studies. Why do you convalesce? It's for the good of your health, darling. Cheer up, Elsie. Hmm? Four months. Right by no time. And they got their suitcase and they're wearing what she's wearing. I know. Outfit. It's like there's like the gap. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. God. I know. I can't. I just can't even. That's just that's so right. messed it's up. It's unthinkable. Yeah. It really is. The scene where she walks in on her mom with the guy. <laughs> that and is she's like, my favorite. Would you, like, would you like something to drink? The balloon has gone up. What on earth are you talking about? <clears throat> Mr. Perry's ill. I've brought him a cup of tea. Would you care for one, Juliet? Don't try and fuck me off. It's like the most believable. <laughs> They're naked yeah. in bed together. Oh, he I just know. brought me a cup of tea. <laughs> what? <laughs> Deep therapy. Yeah, yeah That's what it is. she definitely does not seem like she likes being a mother at all. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even sure how she would know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's never tried it, it seems. Right. <laughs> I really love, I mean, I just love anything Melanie Linsky says. And her. You okay. never hear her use her real accent anymore. Just this movie, and then she basically played an American for the rest of her career. 
until that one episode of Easy. I know, like that one episode <laughs> of Easy, which is so good. But her voice is just so cute and her little scrunched up face. And I love it when she says, I think your drawing's fantastic. Good heavens, Juliet. What on earth is this? St. George and the Dragon. Where's Pauline? Oh, I haven't gotten around to drawing her yet. I was going to pop her on a rock, but I seem to have run out of room. Sorry. I don't know if you've noticed, Mrs. Collins, but I've actually drawn St. George in the likeness of the world's greatest tenor, Mario Lanza. Yes, I know it's very clever, Juliet. But when I set you a topic, I expect you to follow it. Now put that down and start again. I think the drawing's fantastic. They're so great She's together. So good, yeah. Oh, I love the scene, like when she comes back and she like plays the record because Juliet mentioned like oh, the, the best Mario Lanza. <laughs> and then how she like plays the record. That was so cute. I that song. It is very cute. Famous Irish singer, Mary Olanza, Italian dad, the world's greatest tenor. I can, like, a hard Somebody you really like is into something, and you're like, I'm gonna check that out immediately and become as obsessed because yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Of course, my favorite line it's Mario! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Doesn't matter. Of course, it matters. It's Mario. I know I thought of you. I died. <laughs> it's Mario, guys. Hot frog right there. <laughs> All the best people have bad chest and bone diseases. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's all frightfully romantic. That's yes. like great. Yeah. Why could not mother die? Dozens of people are dying all the time. Thousands. So why not mother? That's what I wrote down was dozens of people die. Why not mother? <laughs> dozens of people. Dozens of people. No time frame. Yeah. Every day. It can strike at any time when you're talking about homosexuality. Yes! Homosexuality. Oh. I agree, Mrs. Reefer. It's not a pleasant word. But let us not panic unduly. This condition is often a passing phase with girls of Yvonne's age. But she's always been a normal, happy child. Oh, I can strike at any time, and adolescents are particularly vulnerable. <laughs> Medical science is progressing in leaps and bounds. Oh, yes. <laughs> there should be a breakthrough at any moment. Oh, my God. I love when Pauline's <laughs> are, and this is, like, obviously a real line from the diary. It would be wonderful if I could get tuberculosis, too. <laughs> it's been to Richard Knight. It would be wonderful if I could get tuberculosis too. That's a childlike wish right. for sure. <laughs> right. Also, that another one I wrote this was how sad it is for other people that they can't appreciate our genius. That, I wrote that one down too. That really God. sums up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. I like when she's talking about the fourth world and she's like, it's sort of like heaven, only better because there aren't any Christians. <laughs> I love that. But we're all going to heaven. I'm not. I'm going to the fourth world. It's sort of like heaven. Only better because there aren't any Christians. 
dead. He says the Bible's a load of bunkum. <laughs> I really like when they're playing and Pauline just pretend dying. She says, I think I'm dying. And the way that Juliet says, don't! Yeah. <laughs> You're right! I'm, I'm, I'm dying! Don't! It's so That's my terrific. Yeah. Don't! <laughs> we are so brilliantly clever. <laughs> I love Pauline's impressions of her teachers when she's lying in bed with that shitty dude. Now, girls, it isn't O, it's E. <laughs> and she goes, E, as if someone was jamming a pin into her. <laughs> Silly old trap. And then the history. We've got the senile old bat who goes, And Charles II met Nanquin aboard a boat. And he was a wealthy young prince, and she was a pretty young thing, and these things do happen. <laughs> God, it's no wonder I don't excel in history. Right. It's so cute. Yeah. Even though it's horrible what's just it's happened to her. so uncomfortable. I like how she insists on calling him Nicholas. Oh my god. <laughs> do you love me as much as I love you? <laughs> of course, my darling Nicholas. My, my name's John. Well, I like Nicholas much better. I like the, that's so impressive. That's <laughs> yeah. so impressive. It um, is a very impressive scar. Yeah. yeah. They were going to go to Hollywood and be in the movies, act out their movies, and she's like, they're desperately keen to sign us up. Paul and I are going to Hollywood. They're desperately keen to sign us up. We're going to be film stars. What are you talking about? It's all arranged. We don't need your bloody hundred pounds anyway, so stick it up your Bottom. That's the plan. <laughs> Keep this up. I was wondering if Doggy in the Window was the dance monkey of 1954. Because <laughs> the look on Mr. Hume's face when yeah. they're singing it. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? Oh, go on. Oh, oh. I do have that doggies for sale. Stop making me do this. <laughs> I'm like, your mother really is quite miserable. Your mother is rather a miserable woman. Isn't she? The justification. Right. Oh my god. She's quite a miserable <laughs> Yes. I really love Kate Winslet's heart-shaped mouth. It's right. just so wonderful. I mean, they both have really wonderfully expressive mouths, but... <laughs> They're just so great. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. I do have a fun fact, which Ooh. is that until 1973, homosexuality was considered a mental disorder. Wow. In uh, New Zealand, associated with deviant behavior, including but not limited to murder. <laughs> <laughs> moida, you moida. Can you do moida? This is. Kind of a fun fact. Almost all of the locations used for filming were the genuine locations where oh. the events occurred. That's cool. Including the tea shop. Oh. Wow. That must have been eerie. Yeah. yeah. And they were almost going to shoot on the same spot on the trail, but they said when they got there it was too eerily quiet and there were no birds singing, and so oh. they moved up a little bit. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Right? I like how they got too creeped out to shoot. Yeah. 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 Okay. I do love stuff like that. <laughs> I like the gemstone from mm. earlier when. Yeah. That was a cool 
like merging of the clay world and reality and just call back to yes definitely and also it's such a childlike plan too we're gonna drop this gemstone and she won't <laughs> right. be able to resist picking it up that's all true it's really weird how yeah. it worked like almost worked i mean i guess it did work but I mean, they didn't get away with it yeah they, they it wasn't the perfect murder it was just no. a murder. it was a successful murder it was a successful I mean, murder i guess yeah it's hard to get away with murder Especially when you journal about it for right. days on it. Wow. So this is what's called a lunchtime pool. The lunchtime pool is inspired by the scene in the cafe where Pauline insists that Honora eats the cake even though she wasn't going to. Treat yourself. <laughs> Treat yourself, mum. You have it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm watching my figure. But you're not fat, Mrs. Reaper. Oh, well, I put on a lot of weight over Christmas. <laughs> Go on, Mum. Treat yourself. All right. <laughs> Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year! So, if you were... <laughs> Unexpectedly moited, <laughs> what would you hope you had done on your last day? I would love to be with my loved ones, <laughs> but also I want to swim in a pool and then I want to maybe be at a beach and yeah, pool and beach, I think. I would like to know a week in advance so I can just go crazy <laughs> yeah. and have no consequences, but... Yeah, I agree that the beach or pool, that sounds really nice, yeah. Okay, I was thinking more of this as, like, what's, like, an indulgence that you wouldn't normally, you know, like, because she almost doesn't need it. She's like, oh, I put on a little weight at Christmas. It would be so annoying to skip dessert and then you die that day, (laughs) you know. Okay. But... But, I mean, everybody can answer how to... But that's... So my... That's kind of how I was approaching this, so... I don't really drink a lot, and I have a lot of reasons for not drinking very often, but one of them is that even if I just have one drink, I don't feel so good the next day. But if I wasn't going to have a next day, like, I hope I have, like, an amaretto sour or something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of things I would want to do if I knew it was my last day, but my interpretation of this was more like a little thing that you don't normally do, but it's like... If there was literally no tomorrow, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like a whole other thing. If we are, are, we have one week to live, it's like I would do heroin. Yes. (laughs) I know. I was like, is there anything that I'm going to say? I would like to have done Molly. Because I've never done Molly. I did ecstasy way back in the day. But I'd like to try the new ecstasy that all the kids are trying. Ah. <laughs> I didn't know it was different. It's a little it different. Just, they just called it something else. I think or it's something. a little different. Oh well I would do mushrooms then. I like ah. I mean I'm, I do love mushrooms. <laughs> it's interesting reading about how people are doing it for like major depression and like different Microdosing, yeah. Microdosing, yeah. um but yeah, no, I I'm like, yeah, mushrooms. I do that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be really fun. I definitely well anyway, yeah, some kind of immersive drug experience and then also being like in the woods or in nature oh. would be really good because I that's just the best. I love camping. I can't say eating dessert because I just do do that every day anyway, <laughs> pretty much. So just 
camping and doing some kind of immersive drug experience would be really nice with all my favorite people (laughs) i feel like that would work for a murder too yeah (laughs) like i feel like that's helpful for the murdered yeah oh camping like i won't even i won't even know it's happened Sounds good. All right. Like, if someone was going to murder you that day, I hope I, you know, had a cocktail at lunch, you know. (laughs) At lunch, even. In the middle of the day. Well, that's... That's very indulgent. Yeah. That's when it happened. (laughs) You can't live every day like it's your last. I mean, I couldn't. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Maybe some people could if they just don't have that many destructive things or interesting. (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any other extra indulgences now that we opened it up a little? I don't know. I mean, I would probably want to, like, try some crazy drug before (gasps) I died. Maybe. (laughs) Okay, fair. Valid. Mm -hmm. How very. Greetings and salutations. We have New Zealand listeners. We had one download from New Zealand a while ago. I wish I knew what episode it was, but maybe this will get us some more, I hope. Oh, yeah. Got to tag some New Zealanders. I would love some more Kiwis on our downloads. Band meeting. Murray, present. Brett, present. Mm -hmm. Jermaine, present. All right, I haven't got time for your time wasting. That's a great place. That is like a bucket list thing for me is Mm -hmm. go to New Zealand, rent a bunch of camping gear and do like a sort of Lord of the Rings style hiking camping trip would be so fun. I'd have to get a weed hookup over there though (laughs) because obviously smoking pipe weed is a big part of it but (laughs) as they call it in Lord of the Rings. Old Tovin, the finest weed in the South Valley. Is it not legal there? Um, maybe it will be by the time I get there. Maybe it is. I don't know. It wasn't when I first looked into it a while ago. <laughs> for sure want to do that. God, it's so beautiful. Yeah. There is one shot that's very loader when Juliet runs up the hill, and then it's a big aerial shot, and then Pauline comes and comforts her, and it's like shooting both of them as they're kind of running over the hill. That's like very reminiscent of Lord of the Rings. It's beautiful. Yeah. When Lord of the Rings came out, I wanted to go to New Zealand. My friend Karen and I bought four travel books on New Zealand oh, yeah. and borders and probably still have them, but, but someday I'll yeah. get there. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I mean, like, they really didn't have to change the landscape for those movies at all. They just built castles into the hillside and they, they put, yeah. you know, some of it CG, but yeah, it it's just such a naturally breathtaking landscape. On the next episode of Paid in Puke, we're tripping over Josh Greenbaum's 2021 comedy Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, written by and starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamalo. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Payden Puke Pod, on Instagram at Payden Puke Seattle, or join us on Facebook at Payden Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.